On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are joined by two familiar voices from the 900 CHML galaxy of stars to talk about many of the things that are talking points from this week. Stick around. I think you'll enjoy it. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Time to do something we like to call the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. And today, for the first time ever, we're bringing in a husband and wife team to handle the duties. Usually it's one or the other because they've both been here and they're both great. And you know them both because they are both very familiar voices to people on CHML. Jay McQueen, the CHML weather specialist, he's also in his other life, a realtor who uh, has is with Realty Network on Concession Street. And his beautiful wife, Jen Watson, who you also know because... She, for the long time, was a reporter and newsreader on CHML. Now, with McQueenVoiceOvers.com, she is a professional voiceover artist, and they join us now. Guys, thanks for doing this. Hey, Scott. Glad yeah, you guys could finally come in together. I mean, come in, stay at home and call in, but you know. <laughs> We're actually not at home. Oh, well, all is well in the family. Yeah, we're hanging out at the park because we couldn't do it with our kids in the house. So <laughs> we had to get a babysitter and go sit in a park. <laughs> Any um, Anybody there with a dog on a leash walking around that you can see? Oh, I'm not around. Someone's coming around the bend. Do they have a dog? No, not right now. We have seen a few dogs, though. I'll tell you why I'm asking this. I just read today that there is a new law being passed in Germany. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. My German is horrible. I married a German girl. I can't speak a word of German hardly. Hundevoradudnung, or translated as Dogs Act, although anyone speaking German could not have interpreted that as that word. In Germany, once this law passes any day now, you will be required by law, if you own a dog, to take it for two walks a day of at least an hour each. <laughs> Well, I think there's a lot of uh, lazy people who uh, have dogs and then they just end up with lazy dogs. So I don't know if that would fly around here. I I was going to say, like, could you imagine if we tried to put a law in place in Hamilton, in Canada, anywhere that said, if you own a pet and forget dogs, why just dogs? I mean, cats should have the same treatment. Budgies should be able to, (laughs) you should put a lasso or a harness on a budgie and let it fly for an hour. I mean... Can you imagine that even if it was just dogs saying you must by law, by penalty of law, walk your dog for two hours a day, no matter what kind of dog, what age the dog, what the weather is like outside. I'm not sure how that would fly here. Well, how would you even enforce it? I mean, we'd have to have a lot of extra bylaw officers for something like that. Can't even enforce no smoking in the park, but, you know, hey, yeah. let's, let's make people walk their dog. <laughs> I think it it could be tricky. I suspect the next thing that will come along, because you're right. I mean, it's one thing to enforce something you can see. How do you how do you prove a negative? How do you prove you weren't out there? Uh, you'll probably have to like get a, a chip or something put into your dog so, so they can all monitor by computer to see if they were, which you know what will happen then. A bunch of people, there's going to be a surge in the number of Germans buying treadmills. <laughs> just put the yeah put it on the uh, treadmill and uh, dog's got its daily mileage in there you go yeah, that's right put gus on the treadmill and say go and then hang a cookie <laughs> at the front that he can't quite get to <laughs> i do though i mean it would not shock me crazily enough when this stuff gets out and we start hearing about this it will not it will not shock me if there are people who say this is a great idea that we should consider it here well, I mean, it, it'll promote, you know, uh, I guess physical activity, which, you know, let's be honest, all of us could probably do a little bit better in that department, uh, getting out and, 
having a few more steps uh, each day. But, you know, life happens and it's not always possible. And, you know, to add extra stress onto people by saying, look, you're going to get fined if you don't take uh, uh, Rusty for a walk for two hours, two walks a day or whatever the heck it was. You know, it's just extra added worry and you know, something else on your plate, right? But maybe you know, that just means we're in dire straits because they're going to have to collect more money from us, find other ways to fund different things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. They're going to find a way to do this. And, and the other side of this that I, I kind of worry about in Germany is once this law comes into effect, how many suddenly wild dogs are we going to find walking the streets of Germany? Because people have just <laughs> yeah. said, forget that, you're now an orphan. Yeah, let's let them loose. Yeah, we're going to have the, the feral dog population in Germany going through the roof. People no, are I, I, over while walking their dogs, so the dog gets away. and <laughs> So, yeah, the dog's on the loose. Well, I don't know. Is, is Germany, does anybody know, is Germany a litigious country like the States or Canada is? Because that, you know, again, you do that here and you tell people you've got to walk your dog for two hours a day and someone drops dead of a heart attack walking your dog and suddenly the city is being sued. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I they're happen. very brave to bring this in. I'll tell you, I, I, oh, it's, yeah. it's an interesting, it's an interesting law. I don't think it'll last because they, they can't enforce that. How are you going to enforce that unless you're going to, like you said, microchip everybody? Like, you know, okay, and then they're Big Brother's watching. They're microchipping us, you know. Or you have really, really annoying neighbors who call in and go, Jen and Jay were not walking their Rhodesian Ridgeback yesterday. They should be <laughs> fined. Yeah, clearly they have uh, not enough uh, other issues of importance over there to uh, deal with. You know, don't we have enough going on around here to, if somebody adds in a, a bylaw like that, like I think they would get laughed out of the council chambers or Queen's Park or uh, the House of Commons, yeah. whatever, wherever it is, because, you know, we have enough of our own issues going on here uh, with, you know, what we have going on now, let alone well, we do. And about how, uh, how often we're walking the dog. And we're going to get into that, although uh, i got to take a break here, although heaven knows uh, some goofy bylaws have passed in this area. So I would not say it's impossible for someone to try and bring this up and maybe to even get some traction, but we'll save that one for the day that somebody actually does. I can't wait for that day, boy. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. If you're driving through town over the next hour and a half and you see two people talking on their cell phones, looking like they're deep in thought, and you think that looks like Jen and Jay, just honk your horn. And if we hear you in the background, we'll know you're listening. Yeah, the uh, heat bugs are uh, were really ramping it up uh, before we went on the air. And we had some some moron with one of those uh, silly mufflers drive by on like a, on an 89 Civic uh, before the show started. <laughs> so uh, hopefully... Uh, knock on wood we haven't had much of that going on in here in the last few minutes now do you know if it was a guy or a girl behind the wheel because a few weeks ago we heard at city council that anyone who drives with a noisy car or noisy motorcycle is exhibiting toxic masculinity <laughs> I, I would bet that uh i'm not to you know uh stereotype stereotype but yeah it was probably a guy but you never know yeah i i did want to ask and this is not where we were going right now but i did want to ask when that topic came up can it be toxic masculinity if it's a woman doing it? I don't know. I don't even 
That's, we'll um, move along. We'll yeah. move along. Let me go to this one before we get everybody in trouble right off the bat. Yeah. Um, every single day, and this is this is a legitimate story that we hear every single day. We see it in the paper. We see it in the spec. We see it on CHCH every night for the news. We hear it on CHML throughout the day, every day. Since March, we have had daily updates with the numbers of new COVID cases that are being reported, the number of active cases, the number of deaths, the number of everything else. And it's a legitimate story. It's a legitimate news story. It's not, I I don't believe that it's a ridiculous thing or it's to get clicks or anything else like that. Like some people might say, I don't believe it's sensational. It's the news story of our time right now. So I get it. But Jen, I'll go to you first on this one. How different would we respond to both COVID and to every single other illness that's out there if at the news updates every day, we didn't just update how many people have now acquired COVID, but this is how many people today got cancer in Hamilton. This is how many people got the flu in Hamilton. This is how many people were diagnosed with diabetes in Hamilton. How would it change things if we did it with every disease? Oh, well, I mean, I think people, people would be sick of it. You know, I don't think it would, people would tune out. Definitely. I mean, and there's other, yeah, you're right. It's a legit story. And I, you know, like to know, keep up to date on what the active numbers are and stuff like that. But I mean, I guess, you know, those other illnesses haven't had the same effect as, you know, shutting down the economy, shutting down school, shutting down like the entire world. So, I mean, in that sense, you know, it's not as relevant, but I mean, if we were reporting every illness, every, every case of the sniffles, I mean, people would just laugh and say, this is silly and tune out. I don't, and I'm not suggesting, and I'm being serious about this. I'm not suggesting things like the sniffles, because obviously that's, you know, that's not a diagnosable thing. I don't, I don't think doctors have ever diagnosed the sniffles. (laughs) Um, But Jay, if you, if you were to start saying, here's how many cases of cancer there are diagnosed or how many people died of cancer today. I'm wondering, does that make us more fearful of things like cancer and other diseases or does it diminish our fear of COVID or does it do nothing or does it just make us all anxious about everything? Well, I think, uh, you know, all along when we started down the COVID path, I think there was that uh, people were making the comparison to, okay, here's the number of deaths uh, from COVID-19 and, um, you know, and then also comparing it to, well, how many people die each year uh, in this area or in Canada of the flu, right? And then they got into the comparison about, you know, how it's different and that kind of thing. Um, but I think if you if you start reporting, uh, you know, deaths from cancer, deaths from heart attacks uh, per day, that kind of thing, I think it really I think you start to ramp up the fear in people. And, you know, I, I think that in the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, stuff around here, the 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 fear and not that there's no more fear, but I think the the level of panic was ramped up uh, quite sharply because, uh, you know, you're seeing images and video and hearing stories from Europe and from China about um, the number of deaths and all this stuff. And and we had no, uh, sometimes there wasn't a lot of context uh, to go along with it, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so the, the fear really ramped up. And then once you take a step back and sort of, you know, put it all into context, then you start to say, okay, well, you know, there's X number of cases, but out of the whole country, maybe it's not that big a deal, but still we need to take precautions. But, you know, back to the other diseases, if you're constantly thinking about 
you know, I mean, yeah, people, unfortunately and sadly, people pass away from all kinds of things all the time. But if it becomes a something that the news leads with uh, every day, uh, I just don't know that it's, um, I don't know that it does anybody any good to constantly be reminded of, of uh, just what's going on, you know? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are talking about the idea of every day putting the numbers for COVID in the news and everybody following it and whether this is making us more scared or what would happen if we did this with every disease. And Jen, I cut you off right before we had to go to the break, but what do you oh, think? Oh, that's okay. Well, what I was just going to add on to that is that I think the difference is how you get it. COVID, you, it, it, it's contagious. Cancer is not contagious. Diabetes is not contagious. So those kinds of things. So, I mean, I, I can see where, you know, the fear and the anxiety is ramped up when you hear it all the time. And some people, I even know family and friends that have completely tuned out because they don't want to hear it anymore, you know. Um, but, but I would would it not be the case, though, that, uh, see, I believe that you would talk to an awful lot of doctors who work in the city and beyond who would say, you know, when, when we say, well, we don't really want to hear the numbers about heart disease all the time. Well, we should be hearing the number about heart disease all the time because more people are going to ultimately get that or deal with that, maybe not die from it, but deal with that in our lifetime in this city, then we'll get COVID. And yet we sort of don't mention it because it's boring, I guess, or because it's not a pandemic or. Right. It's not a pandemic. It doesn't shut down the world. It hasn't, it doesn't impact everybody in that. I mean, it does, but not in such a direct way, maybe more of an indirect way. You know, you know, everybody knows somebody who's, who's, you know, suffered some, you know, illness, um, but it hasn't shut down the world. You know, that's a great point. Do you, I mean, do you guys know somebody, Jay or, or Jen, do you guys know somebody personally who has had COVID? Yes. You do? My, yeah, my sister's in-laws, so okay. my brother-in-law's parents, um, his father actually was in a nursing home. He was in the, um, out in, um, oh, what is the name of it? It had, it had a lot of cases, but he actually passed away. Um, oh. He contracted so COVID-19. Yeah. Um, so it's hit close. Was, I mean, they, they were our neighbors. Like I've known them since my family has known them since before I was even born. So I've known them my whole life. And then, so um, my brother-in-law's mother also contracted COVID-19. She's in her seventies. Her husband was in his eighties. She was totally fine. She had you know a bit of a fever, but she recovered. No problem. She wasn't hospitalized, but he was in um, out, out in like Haldeman, uh, Norfolk County, um, he was uh, he was suffering with uh, dementia. He had had a stroke, so he was already very vulnerable. Um, but yeah, he contracted it and he passed away. I I think you're probably somewhat unique there, and those are horrible stories. I think that most people listening probably would have answered no to that. They may have heard of someone connected to someone, but as far as a direct connection, I would bet most people the answer is still no. Mm-hmm. And I think that here's the reality, Jay, is that I. In no way do I dismiss, do I mitigate, do I minimalize COVID. It's very dangerous. It's very scary, all the stuff we hear. But I think if you were to start to point out the numbers for some of these other illnesses, what may happen is people may start to say, well, wait a second, I'm starting to lose my fear of COVID. Now I'm more scared of these other things. 
Well, yeah, and then if if for no other reason, um, if the numbers don't go crazy, then time does that anyway, and and that happened to us. You know, we we for eight weeks we didn't set set foot into a grocery store. We were doing the curbside pickups. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't show a single house for for two straight months because either uh, for the most part nobody else <laughs> nobody wanted to go see one. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you and, and as time went on and we started to digest the numbers a little better, we started to say, okay, maybe maybe it isn't as you know it's deadly um, certainly, especially for certain age groups and if you're vulnerable, but maybe uh, and it's not as you know uh, rampant as your your mind had initially made it out to be, and so and then when you add in. Yeah, how many other people die from all these other more common um, illnesses all the time? Then yeah, people definitely can can let their guard down. Should, if it's had an uh, if it's had an effect though, even for a period of time, even if people are getting dulled to it, maybe a little bit. If it had that effect, you know, we've got in, in October uh, every year is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. For example, there's months for everything and days for everything, but uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Should we, as a policy, on the news for October, every single day, do the numbers for breast cancer, for example, to highlight it and to demonstrate how widespread that is and how it affects people? Or do you think it may have a negative or an opposite effect from what we would intend for it to be? Well, I think if if you know somebody who's um, been touched by breast cancer, then, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know that that uh, helps any. It, it may... Uh, bring up, um, you know, wounds to the surface uh, and, you know, that you're trying to heal from. Uh, but if there's people who, who don't realize um, how uh, serious it is and how, you know, how it affects so many people, then, um, you know, doing that kind of thing may open up some eyes and may make people say, wow, you know, I, I should, maybe I can, you know, if, if there's a cause that I was maybe going to donate to or a uh, uh, some sort of a charity run that I was going to take part in. Maybe it's that I, I could see it maybe having that effect, but for people who've been touched by it, then I, I don't think that they would really want to hear every day how many people it, 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 it claimed, you know? Yeah. yeah Jen, I, I, be honest, that's not the way the news cycle works though. Right. Like, and we know that because we've worked in it, but you know, that's no, no news that is going to make that a policy, right? You've got your news values and everything else and who it affects and how many people and how you judge when what story you tell and what story, you know, and w- even what order it goes in, right? So um, something like that, that's more of a human interest story that tugs at the heartstrings. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that that's, um, that's the way it should be, but that's just kind of the way it is. But if Jen, and Jen, we got to go here, but if you had a story, if we had numbers that said that more people had died of cancer in Hamilton or had been diagnosed with cancer in Hamilton in the last month than COVID, is oh, that not more of a news story? Yes, yes, absolutely. But if you're saying and, if we should talk about the numbers every single day, but yeah, I mean, that would be a massive, a massive story. Like, hold on a second. And that just gives a bit more perspective and maybe, hey, what's, what's going on in the drinking water? I don't know, right? It's kind of, it'll cause some, you know, to give people some pause. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Brightest conversation in Hamilton radio is what we call it. Lots of things to get through today. Jay McQueen, CHML's weather guy, is with us. Jen Watson, McQueenVoiceOvers.com. 
Uh, and if you're wondering why it says McQueen, not Watson voiceovers, well, the two of them are married. So that's why they're here. We've had them on separately. This is the first time we've been able to figure out a way to get them together onto the show because they have young kids and, you know, somebody's got to watch the kids. Today, it was great. They basically just threw open the door and said, kids, go do what you want. We'll be back in two hours. <laughs> and we don't know where the children are, but they're in a park somewhere uh, hiding from the kids so they can do the show or something along those lines. <laughs> Uh, Jay, there is um, there is an ongoing thing that we see with social media stuff, with media stuff in general right now, and it is a little thing we call fact-checking. And this has become a massive, massive bone of contention. Facebook says they have fact-checkers. There are groups that do oh. fact-checking stuff. There is now a leading anti-vaxxer group in the States. Now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I think they've raised, they've touched on a really valid point here. This anti-vaxxer group is now suing Facebook, saying your fact-checkers are biased. They're not checking facts. They're checking the facts that they want to find to keep us off. How, how do you possibly, and, and as much as we love the idea, Jay, of absolute fact... How do you possibly, in this day and age, with such political di divergent views, how do you possibly make the case that we're doing absolutely objective fact-checking that has no bias involved in it at all? I have no idea how you do that. And I, you know, it, it was simpler times when, you know, people got their... Uh information from encyclopedias and uh you read the newspaper or uh you Walter know you to, uh, yeah uh, tv news radio news and all that stuff and now it's uh you know there's a, a whole generation of people coming up that are going to get their news or what they think is news or perceived to be news from sources that are online and um it is an absolute just a uh, dumpster fire uh, of, of, um, of, of just what to do and how to, how to police it and wh what are the facts. And there's so, so much that's uh, tainted politically uh, one way or another. And I, it's just, I, uh, it's, it's to the point where you actually, there should be an option on Facebook so that you can just turn off uh, seeing any articles that people post on there uh, because it's sifting through the crap is just you could you could make a whole life out of that and do nothing else but try to sift through that and try to figure out what what is the fact and what is not i mean jen we're we're so suspicious we're so cynical and skeptical and suspicious because we all have our own political view whether we're on the right or whether we're on the left and the other side is clearly wanting to stifle our discussion and not give the truth and I have no idea. And look, I don't know what Facebook's fact checking protocol is or who it is that does it or what their qualifications are or how they establish that it's a fact as opposed to what we think is a fact. But I, again, I'm not, I'm not arguing for this anti-vaxxer group. I'm just pointing out, I think they have a point here, which is how do you establish that what you're saying is absolute truth? There are some things that I think you can do that. You can say yeah. two plus two is four. Fact. We're all going to be in agreement. But beyond that, almost anything else, there's disagreement about it. Well, that's it, because everybody has an opinion. And, you know, you could sit there and say, well, I'm going to find, you know, somebody who's an expert whose research aligns with my opinion. And, oh, well, this person who's an expert, you know, 
aligns with this. And it is, it's all politicized and you can find, you can find, you know, evidence or an expert to, you know, for whichever side you're on. And that's what makes it difficult. And, you know, really journalists were supposed to be the ones that, you know, would try and present all sides. But how do you do that when there's about 45 different sides to take into consideration now? Because this person says one thing, this person says another thing. And, you know, and then aside from that, you know, you've, you've got online, everything is digital. So anything can be doctored. I've seen so many just pieces of garbage that people are uh, you know, sharing and it's like from the CDC and it's clearly been photoshopped. There's spelling mistakes galore, <laughs> grammar mistakes. And I'm like, okay, well, your credibility is zero now. And it, and, but people are just like, oh, yep, I believe it. And it says CDC, so it must be true. And then people just eat it up or they just see a headline and they, oh, there you go. And I agree with it. And they don't bother reading it or looking into it further. You both, in your time working in the CHML newsroom as reporters, you both covered court at one time or another, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Even court cases, you can literally find an expert who will give a point of view that will bolster your case, no matter what that point of view is that you need to have. You can find an expert that will say whatever you need them to say. You may have to pay them some money, but you can find it. So then, so if everybody is an expert, nobody's an expert. Mm -hmm. And if nobody's an expert, then who do we turn to, to try and figure out what is truth or what isn't truth? We're going to keep going with this one because it's a fascinating topic and it's really a troubling topic. And the anti-vaxxers, this may be something really good they've done to, uh, to bring this topic to the fore. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're talking about fact checkers because there's a large anti-vaxxer group in the States and you can like anti-vaxxers or you can disagree with anti-vaxxers, but they've raised a really interesting point here. They've sued Facebook based on Facebook's fact checking protocol saying you're fact checking what you want to fact check. You're not giving our facts the benefit of the doubt as if facts are a malleable subjective thing. A fact is supposed to be a hard and fast piece of information, but that no longer seems to exist. And Jen, where this really becomes confusing right now when you bring in fact checkers is A, again, what's their background? But B, let's go back five, four months here in Canada where we had our top scientists with the COVID thing saying, keep the borders open because if you close them, that's worse. And don't wear masks because that will actually be a worse thing than wearing masks. Now, I'm not blaming them. The science, the information changed. But if you had had a fact checker doing this, at the time, you would have not allowed someone to put on Facebook something that says wear a mask. I mean, it, 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 things become very complicated when you try to do this kind of stuff. Oh, the fact that they, uh, the, it's so funny that you bring up these fact checkers because I got fact checked on Facebook too. And the, the, what is it called? The international group of fact checkers. Like the name sounds fake. Like it's just ridiculous. And that's what I said. Who are these people? And what are, you know, what are their, exactly what you said? What are their qualifications? Who are they to check these facts? And, um, one of the things that I got fact checked for was, do you remember a couple months ago when, um, one of the doctors from the CDC w- said um, that asymptomatic people don't transmit the virus. Yes, yes. And then, and all the news outlets reported on it, and she actually said the words. The, this was a quoted, it wasn't made-up information. She said it. So I thought, oh, this isn't, all I said was, this is interesting. I posted it. And then I got 
you've been fact checked. They like blurred out, you know, my post and whatever. I got my notification. And then the next day they walked back and she walked back and changed her story. And they, and then the news outlets reported on that. So then it was okay. Then they opened it up uh, because then I reposted it. And I guess, you know, if you follow that initial link, you're supposed to, it would take you to the corrected story. But I was just, that's, that's where, you know, journalists are supposed to do their job. Okay, this, I'm factually reporting on what this doctor said. It's not wrong, but, and, th- and then we reported again on when she changed her information or whatever. And I just thought it was ridiculous. They even fact-checked a Chuck Norris meme. Like, come on. <laughs> we know it's a joke. They did. And it, it's ridiculous. But, Jay, you can see, without much effort, how easily this could now be abused. I mean, if, if Facebook decides they are going to become political, even if they don't say so, or other online organizations, Google or Twitter or whatever, and they decide they're going to, quote, quote, fact check you and you fall afoul of their points of view, and I'm not saying they're doing that right now, but it would be very easy for this thing to suddenly become abused. Yeah, if they're going to uh, micromanage every single post. Uh, look, I mean, I'm not a fan of, of uh, you know, uh, just people posting stuff that, I mean, and who am I to say that it's not true or if I don't agree with the stuff, fine. I'm not a big fan of people posting stuff, uh, these stories, no matter what the source. Uh, but, you know, if uh, if Facebook is going to micromanage and, and, and uh, you know, go over with a fine tooth comb every single post that people make and and uh use whatever criteria they have to determine if it's a uh, fact or not i mean it's you know yeah whoever's paying money or whatever it, it, it gets it gets really greasy uh i think really fast like you said this but it and, and you know what too though because people take that as fact and then that influences how they vote it yep. influences what they do how they live whether they're yep you know, pro-mask, anti-mask, and it's a fit, it's all fake, it's not fake, and that becomes dangerous to society. So there has to, I don't know what the answer is, but, um, you know, these, you know, secret fact checkers, you know, on one hand, it's laughable, but on the other hand, the other stuff that gets posted, the crap that gets posted that is clearly, you know, not true and clearly doctored or fake, but maybe to some people, it's that's it's not as obvious, and that's where it can be very dangerous. This whole thing, to me, is so sad because all it shows is we are now asking mysterious people behind the scenes that we don't know who they are or what their their qualifications are, as you point out, Jen, or to save us. Oh, yeah, to save us from ourselves because we're too lazy to do some research. And when you see a story that moves that says, you know, if you drink a bottle of motor oil and then light your ears on fire, you'll kill COVID. We go, really? Wow. Look. And we and nobody is smart enough to say, that doesn't sound right. Let me look and see if there's any other sources. We're asking these groups and these people and these organizations and these social media outlets to save us from ourselves, rather than just doing the basic work that every one of us should be capable of doing. But the problem is, though, is that, as we've already talked about, everybody's an expert now. Everybody can doctor yep. something and put yep. something out there. So people might think, I'm doing my research, and this is what it says, and 
and they and they believe it to be true because there's so much noise out there and and now and even media the mainstream media is the villain because you know apparently you know that the mainstream media has their own agenda and i mean hey I don't know. All I know is the media that I know, my colleagues and friends, you know, that like you and everybody in the newsroom at CHML, I know that they have integrity and that they don't have some hidden agenda to drive people to, you know, do certain things. But I don't know. People seem to think that that's the way it is. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let us continue here with the uh, brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. That's what we call it on Friday evening when we work our way through a bunch of topics from the week with Jen Watson, longtime CHML reporter, newsreader now with McQueenVoiceOvers.com doing voiceover work. You can hire her right there if you need someone to do something for your website or whatever else. If you're a director of an animated series, I'm assuming she could do that. Uh, and Jay McQueen, CHML weather speci- specialist, uh, also realtor with Realty Network, which is on Concession Street. You can uh, you can hire him to sell your house while Jen is doing voiceover work in the background, <laughs> narrating your sale, if you wish. That would be interesting. I just did that, actually. You narrated a sale that Jay made? Well, not a narr- uh, He's got a listing right now, and uh, I, narr- I voiced the virtual tour. You can find it online right now. Yeah. They should do that. But no, I'm thinking of something where you do a video where there's the person is sitting at the table signing the papers, Jen, and you are doing a narration in the background. And now oh, she's picked up the pen. A play-by-play. Yeah, you could do that. Make it a real, That's like a whole show. Do. That's one thing I can't do. I can't ad-lib. Well, I guess I kind of can, but... Sure you can. You've done radio for years. You can ad-lib. You just well, don't yeah. even know you can ad-lib. That's, what, that's all radio <laughs> is. We will well, get to, uh, but anyway, we'll get to more about that just before we wrap up. Cause I do want to hear about it. Um, this one first, cause this story to me is so interesting and so discouraging and so troubling in a lot of different ways. Uh, a piece of the national post and I had not done the math. Math is not my friend, but this person, someone in the post has, or at least an expert has, and they pointed out with our new, We've extended the CERB, the CERB program, for a bit, and then it's going to roll into EI, and, and the, the government is making changes to this. And there are things that we certainly appreciate about having a country where we have a safety net when things are dire for us. We do like that. We don't want to live in a country that has nothing there when we lose our job or something bad happens and suddenly we're out on the street. So it's not about not wanting that. The issue, and what they point out is, that with this new rules... You need to work 120 hours in uh, to get six months of EI now. 120 hours. So basically, they're pointing out you need to work essentially three weeks, a good three weeks of work, and that means you could get six months of EI for doing that. Or as he points out, if you're working in a restaurant or something for 15 bucks an hour, you would make, if you continued working, $10,800 over those next six months. Or you could not work and make $10,000. And the point that this person is making is, are we discouraging, are we disincentivizing the idea of working if, the, if what we're giving, if what we're offering is almost the same as people going to a job? What do you think? I think uh, you have to answer yes. I mean, uh, you know, you can hide it under the 
guise of, you know, trying to keep people away from each other and lending a helping hand and helping everybody get through it all and all that stuff. But when all is said and done, if, if, uh, you know, I could make 10,800 for doing nothing or, uh, sorry, going to work and, and make 10,000 for not doing anything. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to opt for the not doing anything option. Um, yeah. you know, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, that's already been the case so far with CERB. People have like, well, I mean, if, if they're, if their work shuts down, then obviously you have no choice if the, if, if it's closed, but you know, if you have the option to work and you're, you're going to make the same amount of money sitting at home and I, I get it. Like people are scared and everything else or maybe they're immune compromised or whatever. I mean, people have their reasons, but at the end of the day, like how, who's going to pay it back? Like, you know, you're going to have to pay it back eventually. Right. So really, do you really want to go down that road? And hopefully they do recover it because otherwise our taxes are going to go up like everything else. We're going to have to recoup the money somehow eventually. Well, but Jen, employment insurance, and this is, this is no longer the CERB thing. What they're putting oh, into right, play is right. the long-term Sorry, thing. So, and, right. and I agree with you hundred percent. Again, as I said off the front, we want a country that doesn't leave you hanging or leave you in absolute distress. If something bad happens with your career or whatever else, or your job, right. I just wonder if, and, and look, and I'm not arguing for, let's make sure that people who don't work live in abject poverty and are miserable. I, I don't mean that either. I'm just not sure that we want to go so far the other way that you don't yeah. have any incentive to work. Absolutely. You need, you, people need to get out and work. You need to keep the economy rolling and you you can't, I mean, money is not infinite. Like, well, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe taxes are infinite. I don't know. But... <laughs> It well, the, the other argument that'll be made with this, and I'm sure, and, and I'm, it probably is a fair argument is, well, look, this is for people who are making minimum wage and we don't want people making minimum wage. We want them making more. We want a living wage. And this may force the hand of the employers to do that, that if you can't find, cause you're not, I, I'm convinced that you're going to, that there are companies that are going to have a hard time finding workers. We're already seeing that as you pointed out with what's going on right now, slightly different circumstance because we've got this pandemic. But if all of a sudden a minimum wage job is not very enticing because doing nothing is just as lucrative, maybe that's not even the fair word, but just it pays almost the same, you may have to raise the minimum wage. Some people will applaud that wildly. Others will say, we just did raise the minimum wage. We can't keep doing it and expect businesses to be profitable. Then they're just going to raise money for, like, raise the prices for consumers. And then who's going to be able to afford anything anyway? at the end of the day. I mean, I'm all for, you know, paying people, uh, you know, fair wages and all that stuff. I, I go back to, you know, it's, I try to go back to when I was 15 and working in a fast food restaurant for six forty an hour. Uh, and then, you know, and then the student, that was the student minimum wage. And then, you know, and then six eighty five when you turned 18. And, and now I, I can't even tell you what the, the minimum wage is. Uh, I don't know if you know what it is. Um, it's like 15. It, it, what's that? Isn't it? Isn't it 14 yeah, or 15 bucks an yep. hour? Yeah. Yep. I mean, and, and, you know, I'm all, because, you know, everything goes up, inflation and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, like Jen said, if, um, if employers have to pay more to the employees all the time, more and more, 
um, they they have to get the money to do that from somewhere, and it comes, you know, it falls on uh, people who are uh, on the business owners, right? So they have to raise money for uh, people who are buying their products. And that's that's where this thing, you know, it's. I, I am not unsympathetic. I, I am really not unsympathetic. No. But every time, thing every time pay goes up, whether it's high end pay or lower end pay, companies generally don't just eat that and say, "Oh, too bad, we're going to lose out." It eventually trickles down back into the cost of the thing, so you and I and everyone else pays for it. Yeah, I think what's annoying about it though is that when you have these big comp, like you know, multi-billion-dollar you know corporations that you know. Um, they, they just want, you know, it, it's about profit, of course, but, you know, they're going to line, make sure that the top dogs get, you know, line their pockets with millions of dollars where the people who work the front lines get, you know, that, that's, what's really pushing your product and making, making the oil, the oiling the machine and making it run and, and they get shafted. Yep. No, I look, there are, there are some companies and I am a, I am, I'm, I don't mind saying that I am a capitalist. I believe the system is the best system we have. It's not a perfect system. It's the best system that is out there, but there are flaws and there are cases where you look and you shake your head and say, how is this working? I don't think that eliminates the value of the entire system, but it, there are things in it that are not perfect. That, that there's, there's no system that's perfect, but let's right. get back to this point. Because I think one of the most dangerous things a society does is make work unimportant. You get, I'm not saying all of your value as a person comes from your job, but there is something valuable about working to put food on your table, working to put a roof over your head, working to put clothes on your back. There is something intrinsically valuable in my mind to the human condition about doing something to pay your way as opposed to just being handed your way? Well, I feel like when I was a kid, like I, um, and I think there was a meme the other day uh, on, here we go again, back to the memes on Facebook, uh, but uh, somebody posted a uh, GoFundMe from 1987 or 1989, and it was a kid uh, pushing a lawnmower, which is, you know, exactly how I made my first dollars uh, as, a, as a kid was cutting Selling grass for my neighbor, or my you know my parents, or my at my grandma's place, and I think that I learned pretty young uh, from my dad. He tried to teach me that the value of a dollar, and if you if you work hard, you can earn some money. And then you know, and at that time, it was money to go for Slurpees or whatever Fritos at the store and that kind of <laughs> stuff. But as you get older, there's yeah, like you said, there is something. Um, uh, I guess I don't know if you're satisfying is the word, but valuable you know, though. Yeah, and and to and I, it's something that I would want to pass on to our kids is that you know um, nothing nothing comes for free, uh, you know, and and but apparently now things are coming for free. Well, not know, for free. Not, for free, maybe to you. I mean, and you being the person who's getting this, but someone ultimately, as Jen said, someone's yeah. paying for it. Well, yeah. But let's let's you know. It's so we're getting away from that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, put in a hard day's work and, and make some money to provide for uh, your family and that kind of stuff. And and so you know, it it just I feel like it's going to perpetuate uh, on down the lines for maybe other things. And like you said, you know, we don't want to see people in distress and dire straits and all that stuff. But 
And that's what it was designed for, to help people who are down on their luck. But I think more and more and more people are in that situation because of, you know, there's not a lot of full-time jobs anymore. It's a lot of part-time jobs. It's a lot of minimum wage jobs. So it's, it's a whole, like, you know, you said, Scott, it's a cycle that, you know, it's not perfect, but there is this poverty cycle that, you know, sometimes people just can't get ahead. And that's, it's unfortunate. And I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but well, I mean, look, there has to be some kind of balance. You, you do want people to work, but you, people want to work for a fair wage, which I, I do understand. I, I always think of that scene from Christmas Vacation, um, which is not exactly the movie you usually go back to for deep insight. Um, but it's with, uh, with, Ra- with Randy Quaid and they're asking about how he's been out of work for like nine years and he uses the line, well, I'm holding out for a management position. And, you know, so to, to use an example, and I'm proud of this, my, my son finished university in the spring and because of COVID the job, like the jobs in his industry that he has graduated and prepared for, it's really tough right now. He could have mm-hmm. sat home and earned and taken CERB, not earned, got CERB. Instead, he went and worked for months in a nursery, just doing manual labor so that he was doing something. And I applauded that because to me, for him. When, but it's, yeah. it, it's not necessarily glamorous and it's hard work no. and it's not what he wants to do for his living, but better to do something and earn your way in my mind than just be taking, take it Absolutely. when it's essential. It's yeah. there for you when it's essential, when it's putting food on your table, because there's no other option. Right, yeah. But I don't want it to be something for people where they suddenly say now, hey, look, I have the choice of working or not working, and I'm basically going to make the same amount of money. That that To me, that's a dangerous place when we start getting to there because not that there aren't people. There are people listening right now, guys, who are saying, you're insulting me because I would go out and work. That's fine. We're not talking about you. We're not talking about you. It's the people who would look at this and say, I'm off the hook. I don't have to work now. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but whatever, maybe, their, maybe whatever I, their reason is, is going to be valid to them. And I guess that's where it gets subjective, right? You know, I don't know. Anybody who would be, who I would talk with or who's listening or whatever, if you're hearing this saying, this is a ludicrous argument you're making because I will always try to work. Again, we're not talking to you. You're not the problem. You really are not the problem. We applaud you who would go and do that. It's the people who now look at the situation and say, this is now just as good for me not to work. Therefore, I'm going to let someone else carry the wallet. And, and that, that to me is the problem. That to me is the, is the risk that we've got here that I think is really troubling that if we start sending the message that that's okay, to, that that's an acceptable choice, not working for no good reason, except that you don't have to. That's to me, that's not a good choice. That's not something we want to encourage. No, I agree. Uh, speaking of working, we've got a few minutes left here. Um, we know what Jay does. And again, um, you hear him every day, like 4,000 times on the radio doing the weather. So we were, <laughs> we're well up to date on Jay's voice work. Uh, Jen, how in the world did you end up doing voice acting because i mean i know radio you talk but it's um yeah it's an interesting well, way to go it's it's tons of fun i started doing it um i mostly what i do right now is described video so for people with visual impairments i'm the per, i'm the voice that describes the scene in between dialogue so i've done that for movies tv shows web series that kind of thing so that's the majority of what i do and i've been doing that since well 
seven or eight years now, just kind of on the side. And since it's become mandated by the CRTC, it's gotten a lot more, a lot of more programming and back catalog. That's picked up a lot more recently. Um, But, and I've always wanted to get into more, I don't know, I love cartoons and stuff. Not that I do cartoon voices, but I just, I don't know. I like, I've always liked that kind of thing. I think I'm a little outgoing and can be a little, um, loud sometimes (laughs) (laughs) and have a lot of fun and it's just it's another way to use you know my voice which is what I you know I did that for 11 years in radio um you know anchoring the news but it's just another another avenue that uh it's tons of fun and I I really like it you are the mother of two youngish children I have no doubt that that voice gets used occasionally a little bit, yeah. Especially yeah, if you're cooped up for five months, you know it's everyone. Oh, is it cool uh, yet? But a bit much. Uh, you know, uh, it's it, these are interesting times. With someday, years from now, hopefully, uh, we will look back on this one and um, laugh. Well, I hope. I mean, do yeah. you think we will? I hope that's yep. the case. But I'm already I- laughing because I'm going a little. No, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, you have to. I mean, sometimes it's all you can do. We just, Jay and I look at each other sometimes and just, we have to laugh it off because we're, otherwise we're going to cry because we're just so frustrated. But um, what else can you do? It's it's unprecedented. And um, I hope this never happens again. <laughs> well, I wonder, you know, one of the things that we know from recent history, even not even just recent, but history is that give it a few years and movies, television, whatever else, art reflects the times we've been through. I, I, I got to feel like in five or 10 years, we're going to start seeing all kinds of dystopian movies and sh- television shows and everything about the days of the lockup and the pandemic and the virus and everything else. We're going to be oh, yeah. swamped <laughs> with stories and movies and shows about people alone and in quarantine and everything else. We're, we won't be able to get away from it. No, no, it's, uh, it certainly is, um, you know, and, and my, you know, hopefully, uh, because, you know, we set these precedents for, you know, going into, you know, shutting things down and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I think at the very outset of this in March, I remember thinking like, you know, this is, this is wild what's happening, but, you know, let's, uh, let's not do this kind of thing every five years, you know, let's, let's wait another hundred years or so before, uh, this happens again, but you know, who knows what the way the world is. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen, but we will hope, um, you know, if nothing else, Jen can voice act her way through the story of this (laughs) down the road. We can listen to Jen narrating the story of the year 2020. I saw a great, well, yeah, I saw a great t-shirt online today. That was a picture of the uh, DeLorean from back to the future. And it says, it was Doc's voice saying, Marty, whatever you do, don't go back to 2020. Yeah, we'll just <laughs> it like, skip yep. it. Pretend it didn't yep. happen. There you go. <laughs> uh, Jay McQueen, Jen Watson, really, guys, appreciate you doing this. Thanks for finally getting on this show together. Loved having you here. Uh, now, don't rush home. Don't tell the babysitter you're done. Go out and do something fun oh. tonight and then go back. Yeah, we've already uh, notified her. And we were actually going to, um, oh, we're actually, we're over down at Sam Lawrence Park here. Uh, but we were actually considering, I said, hey, why don't we go to Radley's? And uh, take a cooler We're gonna here in your and yard. back patio. <laughs> the back pat, the the back porch is open for you if you want. Yeah. The pool is the pool is nice. Maybe a little cool, but we're happy to have you. Yeah. Um, you can make your way over here. We'll talk after the show. Yeah. Uh, guys, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML.
The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.